Well, welcome to the Leadership 360 podcast, where we interview real people with real stories about all aspects of leadership. I'm your host, Chris Moore, and thank you for joining us today. On today's podcast, my guest is Bev Shields. In 2019, after retiring from a 38-year-long career in municipal government, Bev decided to take a leap of faith into unknown territory in this next chapter of her life as a solo entrepreneur with her startup, a business called Courageous Goodbyes. As a certified end-of-life doula, she provides non-medical, practical, and emotional support to seniors, the terminally ill, the dying, and their families. Her mission is to empower each client to face their fears during this time of change or crisis, to embrace the bittersweet gifts of the journey, and to courageously live their days filled with life according to their values, abilities, and goals. Bev, so great to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thanks. Great to be here. So I like to just talk to people, have a conversation about uh, leadership, and just curious from your perspective and you know the people that you've worked with and worked for, and even you know you leading your own enterprise now. What do you think are the attributes of a great leader? For me, Chris, I think the the first part is that they need to be approachable. I think approachability is um, one of the first things for your connection. Um, if somebody's approachable, then I think um, that start of trust builds. Um, you know, you're able to chit chat, you're able to bring your views forward um, without feeling like, you know, perhaps you could um, get reproached for your comments. Like it's, it's, mm. it's that. So approachability is really, really important to me. And then, of course, there's authenticity. You know, um, somebody saying um, and doing uh, what they say, uh, it's, it's um, yeah, that's very important. And that kind of goes along with the approachability. Of course, the trustworthiness, um, what you say is respected. And then that they're a connector. I think uh, a leader needs to be a connector. They see everything in everybody and connect individuals. That's incredible insight. And I really, you know, you're really talking about the values, the approachability, uh, you know, a lot of leaders talk about having an open door, but, you know, is that just a figure of speech? You know, do, uh, do they really have a open mind and an open heart to, you know, to, um, to interact with people? And I think that's absolutely true, Chris, because um, I've heard that before. And then when, when actually you go to do it, it's actually like closed door. So, right. so that's where that <laughs> trustworthiness and authenticity comes in. Like, if you're going to say that, mean it. And it's interesting to me, there's, you know, people in organizations, um, they look at the leaders, they look at what they do and their actions, not just their words. I mean, they listen to the words, but then they look for the proof and the actions. Mm -hmm. And I've been in so many organizations where, you know, people, the leaders say one thing, but they do another thing and they're, they're not fooling anybody and all the people know it. Um, and it, you know, that's a frustrating place to be. So, you know, great point. If you're, you know, can do what you say is what a lot of people talk about, right? Yep. So what have you learned from uh, some of the great leaders that uh, you've you've interacted with? For myself, it's that they authentically value and respect employees no matter what their title, just like Robin Sharma says. Um, mm. It's letting somebody like the janitor know that contribution is just as important to you as any of the other roles in the company. I did that myself, you know, talk to the janitor. You know, it's wonderful to see that smile and see how they contribute because, you know, a lot of time people just walk past them. So when you foster that kind of environment, I think it's it's, it's a great thing. Um, 
The other part I think is from my experience that when you make an authentic connection with your employee um, and not treat them like an employee, but as a team member, your actions show and your, your actions show that you wanna to work together, but leaving that hierarchy at the door so that everyone can work their best. So there's no titles there. And um, personally, I've witnessed on a team that I took over, um, people who originally seemed disinter disinterested or had a limited um, outlook, I've seen them transform into leaders with great ideas once they've been liberated from that hierarchy mm. and, and they just feel that trust. So that's been my experience. That's what I've learned from some great leaders and uh, that's certainly how I approached things. And I could see the change. It was amazing, like it was overnight. And people just wanna contribute, right? And they, and they wanna know what they do every day, kind of how it fits in with the organization. And they want the freedom to do that, you know, as an expert or a subject matter expert. So good for you and creating an environment where people can, you know, can enjoy their work, right? There's there's so many people, and I've had times in different jobs in my career where, where you have that Sunday evening before you go to work on Monday anxiety. And, and people are like, oh, you know, I don't want to go. But then there's, you know, a lot of us who just, who can't wait to get to the office or to get with their team because it is enjoyable and it's, you know, it's what it should be, right? Not a, not a burden. That's right. They feel safe. Like when they're working in that environment, they feel safe. So when you, you know, all those things, you're approachable, you're authentic, they can trust you, you're connecting. Those are, you know, that's why somebody wants to get up and go to work. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you, what have you learned about you lately? What are some of the aha moments? Oh dear. So I was kind of, uh, well, yeah, thinking about that. So I have a tendency to procrastinate these days because I'm going into this new venture. I've got to reinvent myself and figure out it's a, what I do is actually a new environment. Um, and there's a, it's a grassroots movement and there is lots of challenges. There's mm. lots of disparity between the fractions within the end of life doula world. Um, so I'm procrastinating. And uh, that's when I need to, you know, especially when I need to step out of my comfort zone and into that new territory. It's like, am I enough? Um, okay, yeah, I don't want to deal with that. I'll, I'll leave that for another day. So whereas before, when I was in the municipal government, I was more proactive. So this is quite the change for me. So I got to work through these issues. So how do you, you know, clearly the, the end of life doula, work that you want to do, you're passionate about, right? It's stuff you love. You like being there for people, helping them to have the best journey as possible, kind of all, you know, all members of the family. But what, you know, what, how do you, how do you deal with the procrastination? Like, how do you, how do you motivate yourself? How do you get to that point where that's, you know, less of an issue? How do you jump out there and just, you know, get into, into the game? Well, it's mindset, right? It's it's being conscious. It's being self-aware as a leader, like your your attributes, um, how you perform. So I'm I'm very um, self-aware. So I have to try to um, take the plunge and set up a meeting, um, as an example. You know, um, and where do I go? Because one of the issues that I have is like, and I don't know if you know this expression, but it's like I'm like typhoid Mary. That when you want to talk about death, people oh, just right. want to run away. So it's trying to come up with the language to 
introduce yourself, you know? So, um, but I've, I've discovered that a lot of that is personable. So um, I've gone out and say, for example, try to connect with a minister at a church, you know? And sometimes you think they'd be welcoming, but you know, then they're not mm. always. So it kind of hurts you, um, kind of makes you step back. But, but you have to keep going. You have to keep going. So I try to just network and put myself out there and have a conversation. And you have to think on your feet. Like I have to change my language all the time and see what works and what doesn't. Because people walk away from me, even though I'm quite personable. I, I, I can't even imagine. So, But good for you. <laughs> you know, for, you know, for, for taking that on, it's, it's a huge challenge, I'm sure. Like you say, people, people don't want to have the conversation, but as we all say, you know, there's, there's a few things in life that are inevitable, like death and taxes, right? And you're going to die. So, um, you know, how do you, you know, how do you get into that space where the people can find people like you? Cause that's the other thing. It's not just you trying to connect with people. People need to be able to find you, uh, as well. So if you think about your uh, your younger self and what advice you would have for your younger self after, you know, years of learning, you know, and in, in, in learning about leadership and uh, being a great leader, what would you tell your younger self? Again, this is from my own personal experience. It's being self-aware. So I've kind of that all or nothing type of girl. It's like I, if I'm into something, I'm right into it. And, and otherwise I'm procrastinating, stepping away. So for, for, I'm going to talk about my career when I was at um, mm. municipal government. It so what it would be for me, I think it's very important. It's don't allow your career to consume you at the detriment of your own family. Because there's so many missed opportunities with family and friends that you can never retrieve by putting work first. Um, and choosing how to spend that time wisely. That would be my time. That would be my advice to myself, my mm. younger self. Because now that I'm removed from that situation, what was it all about? Was it worth mm. it? Well, yes, there were aspects. There are times when you do put your all into your career from the perspective where it consumes you, your family has to take a sideline. But over the big gamut of everything, no, it, it wasn't worth it. it. You know, it wasn't worth it. I learned lots of things from there. So now, especially in the work that I'm in, you know, nobody says I should have spent more time at work on the death. Right. 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 So, yeah, it's when you're in the midst of it, you think it's just temporary. But eventually, for me, anyway, it became a habit, right? It became a mm. habit. And what I realized from that, it was out of fear. Sinking myself into all of that was out of fear. Um, it's like going above and beyond because you're afraid that you are not good enough that you'll be seen negatively. So trust mm. in yourself. That's what I would tell my younger self. And it sounds like, you know, there, there's so many people who are on that hamster wheel just kind of going around and around and around every day. And, you know, for, for what purpose? So great, um, great advice. What about, you know, what's been your experience with things like fear or courage and leadership. I, I see a lot of leaders who just don't have the courage to kind of do what's right or make the right decision or follow through on an action. So what, what's your perspective on that? Um, for myself, like I um, did start to move up the ranks and fear consumed me in that environment. Um, you, when you allow fear to overtake you, 
um, you stop being the creative person that you are. You stop, your relationships change. It, it, it changes everybody. It's, I think the courage is to step up and say, even if it's at your own, like a lower team level, is to say, no, this isn't right. We're going to value um, our personal time and our work time and we'll be collaborative and we're not going to live in fear. Like we can't control other people's behaviors. So that has been more my experience for fear and, and courage and leadership. Because when you when you are courageous and step forward, people respect that. They feel safe. You make them feel safe. Um, mm. You are their advocate for them. They like, and then they work better and you work better. So for me personally, that would be my experience of fear and courage. In my new venture, mm -hmm. um, I'm fearful of not succeeding because it is such a complex area. But at the same time, I am stepping forward in courage because it's a new movement and I want to be a leader and I want to be a leader for Canadians. And when I've stepped up in front on a platform to say, hey, people, you know, um, trying to be political and dynamic in the words so that you reach people, right? Because people shut down if you're having an, uh, a nasty debate about something. It's, um, it's being your authentic self and having the courage to speak and in a way that's neutral, that doesn't intimidate people. So for me, that's my aspects of fear and courage and leadership, but I hope to be a leader in Canada in this end of life movement and, and um, yeah. Well, I, I love the, the name that you've created for your company, Courageous Goodbyes, because it, it is about courage and, and, you know, having the courage to face the unknown and what's next. And, and uh, it's, it's incredible work that you're, uh, that you're doing. So uh, that's uh, fantastic. What leadership advice would you give uh, to people listening to the podcast? So again, it's coming from my perception of um, workplace environment and your your team. So for me, for a leader, I would say it really is important to maintain that work-life balance. It really is important to have that culture. So if you say that, then mean it. Be authentic. Mm, don't set the example of regularly stretching your own work day into evenings weekends be communicating with your staff when you're on vacation on a beach because that culture quickly spreads and then everybody's following suit because they feel if I don't respond then I'm in trouble and so forth and they're actually doing that on their own vacations and it's not healthy it really isn't healthy um, I've seen so many people burn out including myself you know doing those kinds of things so that when you are on vacation or when your people are on vacation it shouldn't be that they feel guilty asking for vacation there should be plans in place so that people can enjoy it because even though there may be detriment to schedules and everything I think there's bigger cost by your people being off on medical leave when you don't have these mm, um, right this balance. So it's about a culture. So that's what I would like to say um, from my perspective. And, it, you know, it's very true. And I've, you know, I've done that in the past, you kind of set the wrong example. And I, you know, might send an email late at night or even on vacation because I'm thinking about it. But then I had to 
I had to learn and teach myself not to do that. Some of the new email systems allow you to schedule an email, which I really like, because <laughs> then I can still get it out of my head, get it into something, but send it when you know I'm, I'm supposed to be back in the office. So, you know, but it's back to actions, right? People, people follow your actions, not your words necessarily, and it's yeah. it's really important to create that environment yeah. where people don't feel pressured to do kind of more than they really need to do. Right. And there's always a time and a place for it. I'm not saying it never should happen. I'm just saying it shouldn't be the norm. It shouldn't be the standard. You know, I've been on um, calls where, at, you know, 11 o'clock at night with a manager from a totally different department, you know, um, that, is in a panic working through something. I mean, that really should have been a regular nine till five, but it, these people were working out of fear and um, mm. that, you know, they'd be see that they're slackers, they're not part of the team, you know, because that's the culture. So I'm just saying, it, it, I don't think anybody ever intentionally does those things. It just becomes natural, you know, and, and people follow suit. Yeah, sure. And it just kind of, you know, invades over time and, and there it is. And people think that's the way it's supposed to be. And it's challenging to, you know, change that behavior, yeah. but, but it is, it is possible. Well, thank you so much for uh, sharing your insights and I wish you all the best in your uh, entrepreneurial pursuits. And uh, thanks for, for being part of the podcast today. Thanks. I, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. This has been Leadership 360 with my guest, Bev Shields. Join me again for more inspiring stories about leadership from real people. The Leadership 360 podcast is sponsored by The Leadership Academy, your trusted partner in leadership development from coaching to consulting and on-site facilitation. Please visit our website, theleadershipacademy.ca.